This is Total Retail Tech Insights. The content retail executives need to optimize their use of technology throughout their organizations. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. I'm Joe Keenan, Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail. I am joined on today's episode by Prashant Kumar, who is the founder and CEO of TechBlocks. Prashant and I will be discussing a little bit about TechBlocks' business. We'll also be talking kind of, you know, the macro retail environment and kind of some of the factors that will be critical to retailer success over the next, you know, 12 months or so. So thanks for joining me today, Prashant. Thank you, Joe. Um, Glad to be here and look forward to the session today. So, yeah. So thanks for for taking the time and joining us Um, to get us started. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, TechBlocks to start, and then uh, once you're done that, I'll, I'll kind of ask you to follow up and tell us a little bit about your professional background and your career. Yeah, sure. Um, TechBlocks um, was founded in 2007, so a little over 15 years. Um, we were basically trying to uh, solve a simple problem, and it is rooted to the second question. I think that you want to know about my background is like when I was uh, I come from a very strong technology background, and um, I evolved into uh, a, a management consultant, and I had a, a very deep rooted passion for actually solving business problems through technology. Um, and v- very much uh, rooted in uh, and grounded in design thinking. Uh, a guy called Steve Jobs used to live, eat, and breathe that during his time. And I used to see businesses really struggle with IT departments and technical folks. And um, with the evolution of my pro- professional career, at some point uh, when I realized that is something I wanted to do, that's where I founded TechBlocks in 2007. The entire goal was... Uh, in this case, uh, specifically, if you take retailers, for example, to help them build platforms, applications, products, uh, and but with design thinking in mind, ma- bringing new digital value chains to life, reimagining their businesses um, in the digital world, you know, um, making the, the transition between digital and physical worlds as, as frictionless as possible. And um, our USP was always uh, how to bring ideas to market in the fastest possible way while adopting innovative ideas and um, using analytics and data to help them evolve and adapt and thrive and build um, an ecosystem, uh, amazing digital ecosystem that helps them uh, take their businesses to the, to the next level. And you kind of gave a little foreshadowing. You, you said you've kind of had this uh, technology background, a career in, in technology. Tell us a little about, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the reason for founding the company. Tell us a little bit about kind of your, um, your technology background and career history. Yeah, um, I started off, um, you know, I was born in India. I, I did my education in India, but almost my entire experience is in Canada. So when I immigrated to Canada, I was... At that point in 98, 99, if you remember, you know, uh, you, uh, the everybody was obsessed with Y2K and they were shipping boatload of people from Asia to just change two, you know, numbers to four numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not one of them. Actually, I didn't come for that. Um, I came for a totally different reason and I had to go back, but I never ended up going back. But I did love the web. And I fell in love with the web and applications 
portals and so on and so forth. So I started working with some of the mid-sized boutique firms where I got a lot of liberty um, in my role. Um, so I was not specialized in one specific role and didn't understand the entire value chain. So I got an opportunity to work with some of the biggest retailers and some of the biggest firms in many sectors. And at that point of time, while solution architecting the solutions and working with some of the biggest technology companies, like at that point, I was working a lot with Microsoft and Microsoft consulting services, in many cases, big fives it, at many clients. I was the lead architect and I would go into these boardrooms and talk to the clients and I would see there was a clear fiction between the client and, and, and the technology team that was trying to implement or bringing those ideas or, to solution, or solutions to life. And primarily it was just that one, like businesses thought of uh, technologies as taking instructions and, and technologies thought about taking instructions and bringing those two features and functionalities rather than being partners to them and bringing those ideas and giving them options and empowering businesses and giving them a path of least resistance rather than thinking in terms of licenses, how long my contract is going to go, what my rate is going to be. And they never came together. And that that's where the rub and tug was. And mm -hmm. that is what you know, led to a lot of disappointments and that's became the lightning rod and the entire motivation for me to start tech blocks um, and, and become much more, you know, user-centric, people-centric organization and, and design-centric organization. And that's what led to, uh, you know, in 2007, from a career of developer, architect, management consultant to being a founder of a technology firm, um, and it has been a phenomenal journey since then and yeah. still going. Yeah. And still going and for, for a technology company, obviously te you're, you're, you're an old, old school from 2007, you know, that's, it's a long time ago from, for most uh, tech companies, it's a long time in this space. Um, so you got that experience working with some of these large retail firms and then that kind of segues into the work you're doing at TechBox. Tell us the audience a little bit about some of the types of of clients you're working with currently and, and specifically within retail organizations where your concentration is? Yeah, um, you know, we are a boutique firm. We are headquartered, global headquarters in Toronto. We also have offices in New York and Houston in US and we have um, uh, multiple development centers in, in India. During the COVID, we expanded with small presence in Bangladesh and in um, in Pakistan, we are also looking at expanding in Latin America and and Costa Rica as, uh, right now. Um, uh, as we, as we as from from our delivery and our own personal presence perspective, um, our clients are vast majority of them are North America are from U.S. and Canada, but they're mostly global clients. So. Um, again, we have clients in many verticals, uh, you know, six of our top 10 clients are fortune 500 companies or very large, large, big world best known, uh, enterprises in United States and Canada. But if you take specifically retail, uh, we are working, uh, with traditional national retailers. If you, you know, uh, both in Canada and U S uh, who specialize, uh, you know, now, <laughs> um, now in B2B to B2C, B2B to C to D2C, all these things. <laughs> and, in, you know, and there are very, various different kinds of retailers from traditional, um, you know, uh, you know, 
brick and mortar retail, which has now, which now have very viable and very strong online presence to regional retailers in, in furniture, um, in, um, you know, electronics, to even in cannabis retailers and wholesalers, to even working with startups, which are valued at more than $300 million to $2 billion, bringing their ideas complete from ideation stage to go to market and expansion. And these startups are, for example, disrupting three verticals at the same time. Like for example, one of the startups we are working with valued at $300 million, they are re disrupting retail financial services and music streaming industry with live commerce concept, NFTs, augmented reality, AI, all that you know, bundled into one large uh, a marketplace. Um, and if you look at the entire value chain, we are also working with uh, traditional logistics companies, but also working with startups in those areas who have uh, completely revolutionized last mile delivery um, and built a platform um, completely from ground up. And those platforms are being used by today by 85 plus retailers that include Walmart and Ikea um, as their last mile delivery platform and solution today. Yeah, so TechBox obviously firmly entrenched based upon your response there in the retail space. Um, as I mentioned in our introduction, I want to talk a little bit about the, the macro retail environment. Um, and I guess we can't have that conversation without talking about how much has evolved over the last two plus years, um, obviously the global pandemic and the impact that's had on the industry. Can you talk, uh, Prashant, a little bit from your perspective on the type of changes that you've seen, particularly from your clients at TechBox? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I, I would like to always say that the impact, I like to use the word impact more than the change, because um, the change was already there and was happening. It was much more simmering and underneath the surface, and it, was, it had a much longer arc of time. Um, I always say that um, COVID just fast-tracked everything that was going to happen anyways. So everything that you were going to experience in 10 years, you just got to experience it in three months. <laughs> you know, uh, everybody um, had to experience that kind of uh, transformation at an extremely fast track pace. So, and I always say that we don't even need to go to um, any specific example. If we start looking at what happened around our homes and if we start looking at our kids who were forced to stay at home and how we were we were sequestered for a long period of time. And then we were spending a lot of time with our families and, and suddenly we were ordering food from outside. We were uh, not allowed to go to stores and curbside pickup, you know, became, uh, became a norm. Click and collect became a norm, something that you wouldn't expect. A lot of people didn't buy groceries online, but suddenly they saw um, a huge spurt of, uh, you know, groceries uh, in, in 2020 increased online shopping increased by 64%, right? Um, in US e-commerce, you know, e-commerce was, before e-commerce, it was, uh, before COVID, it was 16.3%. Um, and in one quarter in 2020, it grew to 21.3%. Now it was 5.6% 5.6% growth in e-commerce share um, of overall retail, you will think that's not a big deal. But just to give you an idea, that was what e-commerce grew over the previous five years that it grew in one quarter. Now, I would also kind of tamper that with, uh, you know, um, kind of expectations by saying in 2021, it has kind of slightly gone down to 19.1%. But remember, it is going to be 20, 25% by 2025. And that's a huge, huge 
you know, trillions of dollars in terms of um, consumer, um, in terms of opportunity, sorry, that um, these businesses have. But let's take a step back from the numbers and, and understanding what is going on. It is the consumer behavior that has changed. People's way of life, people's lifestyles have changed. The way we do things, COVID completely changed that. And a lot of these are irreversible at, that, at this point. And what does that mean? That means that a lot of um, businesses who used to interact with their consumers, with their clients, their customers in a certain way, have completely come to grips with completely new realities. The supply chains are challenged. Um, so the, if you go down the complete value chain of uh, retail and digital commerce, it has completely transformed and changed. And now concepts like you know, D2C, which by the way, D2C marketing has overtaken DNVB, which is you know, digitally native um, you know, brands. And there's a whole concept of what is going on in, in that space, um, what is going on. Um, although retail has rebounded post COVID and I don't even know what post COVID is because I believe we are still in COVID with the sixth wave that we are experiencing here in Toronto. Um, but yes, e-commerce is here to stay. Digital commerce is here to stay. It is going to accelerate over a period of time. It is going to take larger and larger share of overall traditional retail. Just to give you an idea what that means in terms of numbers, 14.09 um, is the compounded growth that e-commerce is expected to um, experience over 2019 to 2025, while during the same period, retail growth is 1.54%. That means e-commerce is going to be growing at 10x, around 10x more than the traditional retail growth. That is the impact of, uh, you know, COVID and businesses have to, um, you know, embrace it and, and change very fast. Otherwise, a lot of them are going to fall like flies. Yeah, and I'll, I'm going to follow up on, the, on that last piece that businesses not only have to embrace this changing consumer behavior um, and what it means for their businesses, but also they have to adapt. Um, can you uh, expand a little bit, Rashan, and what you mean and, and kind of, you know, where you see the future of retail going and what retailer organizations need to do to adapt to to better serve their customers? Yeah, so... Um... So for example, you know, um, I always say that some of the things is, is, is very already known, right? It was already mainstream organizations for already like true omni-channel experience, right? Uh, where customers can be anywhere, anytime from any channel and shop, and shop your product, right? It's not just one channel, so multiple channels. Although the channels have kind of evolved and they're, even the concept of channels has kind of um, gone through a, a sea of change over COVID in the, in the last two years, and we can discuss that a bit later. But um, social commerce was in its infancy was not there, but social commerce in the last two years has just taken the world by storm. Social commerce and live commerce, if you had to ask me one thing that is going to change the world um, in terms of retail, it's going to be social commerce, live commerce. It's mostly hybrid because a lot of live commerce is going through social commerce. Uh, um, and I'll give, give you some examples. Along with marketplaces, online digital marketplaces, um, uh, you know, which in traditional retail was called wholesale retail, right? So um, digital, digital native retail companies were good at scaling to a certain extent, but in order now to scale their growth, they have had to go back to 
you know, what we call the online marketplaces, which in traditional world was called, you know, wholesale retail, like through Amazons, through, uh, you know, Walmarts, through uh, Rakutens and stuff like that, right? Those kind of platforms. So these, this entire paradigm that of wholesale retail that existed in traditional retail is now appearing in digital world in, in terms of um, what we call, um, you know, marketplaces. And, you know, they exist even in brick and mortar stores, like in a Best Buy, in terms of, if you go in a Best Buy, you will see uh, they have become traditionally now the stores have become more experiential centers just then rather than just st stuffing these stores with thousand SKUs and then you go just find a SKU product and you don't experience them. So if you, a good example of that, who started this entire paradigm would be Apple, right? Apple stores are always experiential stores. You can shop within the store on a mobile phone and, and without involving a sales agent, just by doing yourself and you can pick and and walk away with the product inside the store or get it delivered at home or some outside the store. So the entire experience is kind of um, com completely changing. So social commerce, live commerce um, combined with, um, you know, online marketplaces are, are, are the future, the, the future. Um, and it has, it is going to have a very significant impact on how uh, retailers, you know, adjust to this new reality in terms of not only building their digital technologies and value chains to adopt to this new reality and their websites, I believe, are going to have lesser and lesser of significance in terms of overall, um, you know, their sale value. Because let's say if you are a retailer, like if you have a product, yes, you are selling on your website, but how much more will you sell on in an Amazon marketplace? Even Facebook has brought stores, concept of stores, so on and so forth. Um, you know, again, I told you, I'll give you an example. So for example, Walmart has partnered with TikTok. Sephora has started working with Facebook um, uh, to actually, actually start, uh, you know, uh, launching live shopping. So those are the bigger ones. There are of course, other ones like augmented reality and virtual reality, and I can give you examples of Sephora, Zara, Amazon, AR. Yeah. There are so many of the other, other ones like mobile payments. There's so much, so much is changing in the <laughs> entire value chain that we can spend next two hours just discussing about various parts of it. But those are the big ones that I would highlight. And with all these different transactional channels, Prashant, you know, you mentioned all oh, the social ch commerce channels, the metaverse, um, you know, selling products through live streaming, through video. Uh, can you talk about the importance, and I guess this is aided in, and in really made possible through the technology, particularly around the inventory. And, you know, selling if you're selling products through all these different channels, one, you need to make sure you have the product to sell, um, having that right inventory tracking, and then making that inventory transparent to the consumer. Tell us a little bit about that, that kind of true integrated experience um, as retailers sell beyond just their own e-commerce sites. Yeah, um, and, and talk about that, considering we are living in a COVID world with <laughs> heavily constrained supply chains, right? Like all of us are going to the stores and we find nothing, right? Everybody has something to sell you, but there's nothing there to supply. So you have to do advanced booking. So one of the examples I always give is that, um, you know, you don't need to be fancy, you know, in, in the in wherever you are in the value chain, in the maturity of of the overall commerce sophistication levels, even if you are a, a traditional retailer who is who is you know very 
I would say, overwhelmed with all these new technologies and you do not have the budget like big companies to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on IT and technology companies acquiring and becoming the great, greatest thing, just start with something simple, right? And you, you nailed it on its head, uh, um, uh, Joe, by saying simple things. So when you see, why do we love Apple shopping experience? Because they are not giving you the laptop right away, right? When they launch the iPhone, do you, do you remember? Like there's such a long, but they tell you that you will get the laptop delivered on April 10th of 2020. You know what I mean? When I launched that, right? So you know which day you're getting and you can follow the entire product being built, shipped, and, and there is certainty to the fact. So they built an integrated value chain. So wh whether, whether it is their suppliers, their online freight and logistics um, to basically last mile delivery and experiencing the product customization and building the whole shopping basket, you see this entire thing coming together and you are in control of the entire experience. And people love that. Customers love that. They feel empowered. And it is a simple example I'm giving. This does not involve AI. It does not involve AR. It does not involve all these social shopping experiences. But just having predictable, simple, easy experience where I can just go to a product, customize, configure it within one few two clicks. And with one click, I can just collect my product or get it shipped to my home is as simple as that sounds. It involves several moving pieces in an e-commerce value chain. And in today's world, when you are trying to build these kind of e-commerce value chains, which can be plugged and played, not just to your website, but tomorrow to other marketplaces like Amazon, like you know um, Walmarts, like Rakuten, where you want to be able to sell these, you have to not only be able to do it on your website, but on those websites and ensure that the customer's experience, irrespective of where they are reaching, to your product is phenomenal and you, they stand out and it is simple and easy. That's the first step that the, the businesses have to take care of. And that integrated value chain from e-commerce to the backend of inventory management to warehouse management to product PIM systems, all these various different components that make the entire e-commerce experience seamless to people is the key, is the key to success. I always give the example of Google. Google is a highly complicated engine, but it gives you just one text box. No matter what you enter, it knows how to give you relevant answers. And the best part, it as you keep entering more and more information, it gets better and better and better and learns about you and start gives you giving you information that you are as a person more, uh, you know, in tune with and looking looking for based on your habits. Yeah, I think that's a, a great response, Prashant, and it actually leads in nicely to what I wanted to follow up with. And I, I think the key point that you were talking about is consumers are, are really making decisions now about, you know, so much, so many different ways to, and brands out there on the market that they're, they're shopping upon convenience. You know, price is obviously always going to be somewhat of a factor, but convenience, ease of experience um, is really top of their, of their criteria list. So getting this experience right and to your point no matter where they're interacting with your brand whether it be your own store your own e-commerce site a marketplace a social network um, wherever it may be um, experience is going to be key so with that in mind let's talk a little bit about the marketplace as a whole um, and 
some of the competition that's entered it. You mentioned brand selling direct to consumer. Um, so there's more and more competition entering, entering the market for, for retailers. Tell us a little bit about what the traditional brick and mortar retailers that are that are maybe behind the curve a little bit in terms of digital need to do to catch up to their e-commerce uh, pure play counterparts. Yeah. Um, you know, again, depends on which, uh, depending upon which vertical you are, what products and what kind of retailer, which category you play in, you know, there's different level of maturity and disruption in different um, uh, parts of the retailers. But one thing is constant, as you said, the experience. And that is something people are just gotten used to, right? People, are, people just know what a good experience is. They have shopped at Apple. They have shopped at some of the best digital experiences or digital physical experiences. So they know what a good experience is. So no more as a retailer, you can say, oh, you know what? What you are expecting is, is too much to ask. So please settle with that. They won't. Today's consumer is not willing to settle. So giving an example, 75% of consumers today have actually tried new shopping experiences all the time. And they say they will continue. So I mean, 80% of them say they will continue to do that, right? So 72% of the consumers also switch brands after one bad experience. Just imagine how unforgiving today's consumer is. 72% of the consumers say they will completely switch the brands and they have tried multiple products. So the whole concept of brand loyalty is completely undergoing a huge sea of change. Um, and, and, and you will see that, you know, the retailers are trying new private level brands and so on and so forth. Um, and the, these, these trends are there to stay. So how do you, how do you capture uh, your current, you know, new breed of consumers, right? I always tell that just look around your household. Like if you have a 16 year old or if you have an 18 year old, <laughs> they will teach you. So for example, you know, I used to never think that I would ever buy a shoe online. I never thought it. I like, I have to try it and so I never thought it. Today, I never buy a shoe on, in a store. I would never go back to it. I have store, I'll tell you what I have. I have GOAT application, G-O-A-T. If you haven't tried it, go and try it. And it has a AR application. So not for all the shoes, but a lot of shoes. Uh, and it gives you shoes that your retailers cannot even bring in Canada. So if you want, if you love your shoes and if you want variety of shoes and you have a lot of plethora of choices from multitude of brands. Now, remember when you used to go, I want this kind of designer brand, but guess what? If I walk into a store, I'm only limited to these. Two. But you know what? I, when I was traveling to Europe, I saw these choices and I really loved it. No more, no more. You go to this app and they will get it to you, shipped it to you. You might have to wait for two weeks, but you will get the sh shoe or the bag or the purse that you want. And yeah. you, can, you can actually peer into your mobile app and see how does that back look, bag look on your green dress. You can look at how Sephora's, this color of lipstick looks on your lip on this color. Try. And if you don't like it, you can return it back. That's the kind of hybrid digital physical experiences that are going to redefine um, are already redefining. I shouldn't say will redefine because all of these things are already happening, right? Yeah. So businesses, if I had to give them, you know, what I, you know, we, we used to read these programming books where say, you know, uh, programming for idiots in 13 days, like, you know, sim simplify, simplify it to, to make it idiot proof. I always say start simple. Whatever functionality or features you are bringing on, on online, bring it, make it ultra simple. Less is more. 
Less is more. Make it simplistic, number one. Number two, if you have to choose between web and mobile, go mobile first. Look at what your kids do when you are sitting on a dining table. You, what are you looking at? Are you looking at a PC or are you looking at your mobile phone? How many times in a day do you actually go to back to your PC versus your mobile phone? Just to give you an idea, 48% of people shop today of the e-commerce on mobile phone, 38%, I think, and please don't quote me on statistics, but very similar, 38%, I think, on tablets and less than that on PCs. And that number is changing every day. So optimize your business for mobile experience, mobile first, because that's where people are shopping and experiencing your products and so on and so forth, right? So those are simple steps. And then make the access to your product, shipping of your product, last mile delivery, that entire integrated value chain, simplistic. And use technology for that. There are a lot of platforms which are up giving you those kind of experiences. So you don't need to build everything from scratch. Today's commerce is composable commerce. Composable commerce means you can take all these various parts of your digital commerce value chain from best of the breed and build one thing. Now, it is not just about being best of best, but it also provides you microservices architecture. So you can, as your business priorities change and landscape changes, you can, your business is like a transformer. It can take change and take shape according to the, you know, the business mobility and agility. And that's huge, huge for modern retailer without spending an arm and a leg on, on their technology, um, you know, budgets. So as you go through that, Prashant, there were some great pieces of advice there for our audience as they think about building out their technology and digital uh, presence and strengths. Um, and you know, future future needs and wants. Um, with that in mind, as our audience again is is thinking about this, some things potentially could be built in-house, but for many, many different technology systems and solutions, they're gonna have to look outside the third parties. Um, and that probably is the right is the right decision to make in a, in a number of cases. With that in mind, what would you tell retailers? Um, to be thinking about when they're evaluating potential technology partners? See, what happens, Joe, a phenomenal question. And uh, I'm, I, I always say that if you want to live on Mars, you cannot think about Earth, right? So you have to think like a Martian. <laughs> so what happens is in modern digital world, and, and you know the speed of change that is occurring where the change is the only constant and being uncomfortable doesn't make you comfortable, then you cannot, you cannot continue to transform and evolve that this revolution demands of businesses and people, right? You just can't thrive and survive. What does that mean in terms of selecting partners? Why do I say that? Because what happens is most of the retailers or businesses in general, they got, get caught and asked the wrong questions. How big are you? How many, um, you know, who else have you done this for? And yes, somewhat of those, some of those questions are, inter are, are right, but in many aspects, they are actually not helping you find the best partner. So number one, find a partner who is used to thinking out the box. Find a partner who has not built the, has been successful at building the last generation of solutions for 20 years because they are going to build you the last generation solution for you and you are going to be again 10 years behind, right? So it is not about, like, let me ask you this. Like if I did so, so much for a store and I'm not going to name, name names um, and these five other retailers who are already struggling, how is that 
provide are going to be of any value to you. But if a, there's a technology boutique firm, which is actually doing work for a, a, a very small retailer, but they are one of the fastest growing retailers and they have an amazing brand and they have amazing customer experience. Do they understand customer experience? Do they understand lean engineering? Do they understand um, bringing all these things into one, one well-oiled machine? Look, today's building a solution is very, very challenging, right? There are so many technology pieces, Joe, right? There are so many technology pieces. You're talking about web, you're talking about mobile, you're talking about data analytics, you are talking about integrating with third-party services and other service providers. You are talking about building backend, you know, systems and implementing those systems and bringing all these things together so that they, the front end or people who experience your entire value chain, they don't get you know, um, how should I say, overwhelmed with multiple steps and making and, and stumble upon themselves. Making it simplistic with all these moving pieces is key. So you have to keep an eye on design centric engineering firms. Who are technology firms who are fast, who are quick, who can help you innovate. Innovation means taking risks, but in small pieces and you fail, fail fast or fail partially and learn from it and quickly move to the next thing and build, in, build a relationship with your technology partners that is outcome-based. No, lot of vendors is like, give me developers, give me product managers and, they, and the competition becomes for people provided on an Excel sheet on rates. How is that an outcome-based? How is that a partnership? Question yourself. Uh, how is the engagement that you are Bring, how are they bringing center of excellences, their experiences, not just from retail industry, but from learning from other industries that can be applied to retail, right? How are they bringing all these value propositions beyond people, teams, and resources and center of excellence? How are they adding value to your business? Are they putting a skin in the game with you? Are they bound to certain outcomes um, that will that will that is important to the modern businesses? And I don't think most of the businesses know how to ask those questions, even some of the most mature businesses. Yeah, and kind of your point also, thinking a little bit differently. You're gonna to have to, you know, the, the things are changing so quickly. You gotta challenge the status quo, think a little differently and how these potential vendor partner can make a real difference in your business. Um, and not just, you know, thinking and asking questions a little bit differently, not just the standard and who have you worked with and, and you know, what have you done for this company, but really getting down to what does it mean for, for my brand? Yeah. And I always say this, you know, I always say that instead of an going through an RFP mode or here is my requirement, give me, it's, it's like a, it's like a unidirectional conversation, right, Joe? So what you do is in modern world, what do we do? We get into a room or, or we get into a virtual room, right? And we do a workshop, right? Do a workshop around an idea, Bring invite three different parties and see who do you enjoy working with? Who, who is the right fit, right? It's almost like speed dating, but real dating or, and experiencing going out with a person, right? In this case, a team, because an organization is more than just providing people, it's a culture, right? Do they have innovation of culture? Do they do their homework together? Do they act like a team? Do they uh, move fast? Do they ask the right questions? Um, you know, and most of the organizations don't have the answers. Do they know how to ask the right questions? Are they 
having that interactive mechanism are they making are they empowering you during those workshops what do they do before workshop what do they do during that workshop and what did they give you as an output after that workshop that should define how they are performing uh, and if they are a good fit and if they can move at the pace that you want them to um, and they will continue and 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 who are those people mm -hmm. that you will be working with right and that gives you a real measure of an organization and the culture, not how many people they have and what revenues they have and how many logos they have on their presentation. That is not what should be the measure of who do you want to work with. Yeah, great point. And creating that level of trust and, and being comfortable. If it's going to be a real true partner and not just a vendor, um, you need that level of trust. You need that uh, level of comfort. So I think that's a great point. I'll close with this, Prashant. Um, for those that want to learn a little bit more about TechBox, you've provided, you know, right at the outset, we talked a little bit about the company, but for those um, that want to learn a little bit more, what, uh, what advice would you tell them? Where would you send them? Yeah, um, we have, uh, you know, for retailers, we, we are building, continuing to build a macro site. It's not ready yet, but as you go on our site, tblocks.com, T for Tom, B for Bob, Bob tblocks, tblocks.com front slash retail there is a page retail landing page but our website is a good place to learn more about us my linkedin page uh you know um is um it talks about me if you want to know more about me um <laughs> i call myself the nerd ceo so if you go to linkedin.com <laughs> front slash in front slash nerd ceo one word you can uh, know more a bit more about me and if you want to get in touch uh, please um, feel free to email me um, Prashant, my first name, P-R-A-S-H-A-N-T at tblocks.com. I'm sure, um, uh, or go to our website and just drop us an email and, you know, or contact me directly. Um, and we will be, uh, we'll get in touch with you and try to help you guys out wherever right. we can. Yeah. I think uh, this has been really an enlightening conversation. I want to take the opportunity uh, to thank Prashant Kumar, again, who is the founder and CEO of TechBox, for joining us on this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights and telling us about the TechBox business as well, more of a general larger conversation around the impact of digital and kind of how it's disrupting the retail industry currently and a little bit of uh, forecasting of what we see going forward. So thank you for taking the time today, Prashant. Joe, Total Retail team, everybody, thank you so much for having me. I totally enjoyed this uh, conversation and hopefully looking to do doing some few more in the future. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Total Retail Tech Insights is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Tech Insights.